My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. screamed at top of your lungs in a crowded room without a single person to hear you? Have you ever felt the pain of trying to help guide a person who is utterly lost, only to see them walk away gone forever? Have you ever judged a book by its cover or assumed there's no way out of the darkness that has surrounded you? Tom Barber, vocalist, musician, and bright light in dark scene joins us here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast to shatter our expectations and enlighten our collective dim glow to a radiant beam of celestial togetherness a concophony of light bodies harmonizing us closer to planetary soul expansion joining us here by way of an apocalyptic death metal starship that has collided with earth to form chelsea grin and darko us i'm mystic mark thank you for tuning in to the my family thinks some crazy podcast and enjoy this conversation with lead vocalist from the band chelsea grin tom barber if you believe it you can attain it well if i believe it enough then you're unlocking a piece of yourself that's opening up it's like look when you're in a bad mood or a sad mood how do your dog and your cat know to come sit by you and give you comfort? Well, you're the energy you're emitting from the state of consciousness you're in, emotion, your animals can feel it, you know? They're the same way that they say cats can see beings of energy and they pay attention, I believe it as well. The same way that children are in the state of theta to the age of seven, and then from there on, you know, you're, you turn into yourself, it's like you're, you like wake up and you're in your body, but before that, you're playing in mud, you're talking to invisible people, and everyone's telling you you're out of your fucking mind, but are you out of your mind, or are you just more connected to source because you're in the state of theta? Now, you can access theta. Theta comes from when you're first getting up in the morning and when you're just going to bed at night. What this means is it's like that feeling where you're feeling very tired, and you're like, when am I gonna fall asleep? If you can fight that, and you can, sit there and you can meditate through that and you can reprogram the subconscious mind and reprogram your mind through it's called meditating in theta it's been proven time and time again
grew up in Jersey City, that's East Coast. Ended up going from Jersey City to Bridgewater, New Jersey, and living most of my younger years there. Now, music for me, I guess, was the catalyst for, I guess, waking up, I guess I guess you'd say. Because when I was younger, I was in high school, I, you know, the whole spiel, I had no friends, this, that, and the other thing. It was like a very small niche group of kids. I always wanted to have, I guess, friends. And that was really the motive to wanting to do music. And I would go to shows. And I feel like that was a great place for me to grow and this, that, and the other thing. So I subpar, uh, very subparly played drums for a couple of years. And I uh, played a couple garage bands that really weren't anything substantial. It was there that I guess I, I I wanted to try doing vocals and give that a shot because I really wasn't too good at playing drums. I could barely keep a beat because I, I had like real bad, I guess, ADD or whatever. But ADD, whatever you want to call it, it's just I didn't want to focus on it because I guess it wasn't what I really wanted to do. I started doing the vocal stuff, so it's, you know, screaming, you know, <laughs> from a young age, you're, you're just yelling and you don't really know if you're doing it right, you're doing it, whatever. But I kind of climbed the ranks in uh, the local scene with uh, some of the bands I was in. And um, from there, ended up growing and moving to uh, larger acts and got to a band that I'm in now called Chelsea Grin. And Chelsea Grin has been, you know, I guess they've been doing this for way before me. Like I was, I was going to the bus stop listening to Chelsea Grin, bro. So, you know, this for me was just wacky in itself, but I was able to do, be a part of one of the biggest metal bands on the planet at the time. Now, obviously I'm not saying bigger than uh, Metallica, bigger than all the greats, but for the genre we're in, you know, we're definitely oh, taking yeah. some cheeks. No, for sure, dude. And and we got right into this way faster than I expected. But I want to ask you before we, I'm recording because we can't let any of that slide. I want to ask you, how much time do you have? And also, oh, I can talk forever. awesome, cool. Because that's how I like to do it with my shows. Like, we don't want to put a cap on it. And I'm already resonating with you, Tom. We talked on the phone earlier. Uh, my buddy Ryan Bledsoe gave you a, a screaming endorsement. No pun intended. He He's a really big fan of yours. And, you know, it's kind of strange. You mentioned like the wackiness of listening to Chelsea Grin on the bus stop and then becoming like their vocalist. I kind of have a, a parallel in the sense that I was a huge fan of podcasting, listening to podcasts all the time, all the time. And then I go to see Sam Tripoli live, Sam Tripoli, the comedian host of Tinfoil Hat. Mm. And, you know, I'll give him a book. I'm like, dude, you got to read this. And we'll talk about the book. I wanted to bring it up for a different reason. But I give him this book called The Cabalion. And uh, it's the seven hermetic principles. And, you know, one thing leads to another. He gets a Patreon message of mine. And he's like, oh, you should come on my show to talk about the book you gave me. So I'm like, well, fuck dude, I'm going to talk about skull and bones cause this is conspiracy and that's what I know best. And then one thing led to another. Now I book for Sam Tripoli. I'm his booker. So it's surreal for me just being like a comedy nerd and a conspiracy nerd to now have a pretty cool like job in a major podcast. Now, very different from being, front and center to a massive band that is very popular. I want to ask you, cause I heard you talking about this with our buddy Bledsoe, how the first band you were in Lorna shore was a Christian mm. band. And it's sort of, 
evolved into becoming darker, right? And then and then a different thing happened with Chelsea Grin where kind of started dark and now there's what I've seen an incredibly empowering message that's hidden and it's you know something I can respect as a you know a rap fan like a lot of people listen to rap they're like what the hell is this guy even saying especially the gifted rappers who could spit real fast you know like oh yeah what is he saying but when you stop and you listen or when you stop and you read the lyrics you're like whoa okay this guy's spitting some truth and I was shocked man I was shocked I'm telling you shocked because I'd always been averted to this kind of stuff but after we talked on the phone I went through I checked out your music I checked out Darko I was like, whoa, this dude is putting some seriously Gnostic stuff in this music in a place that like, you know, just as someone who doesn't even really vibe with horror movies, like I'm not a fan of horror movies. I just, it never appealed to me, but to see that going on, it's like, it's really empowering. So I I just wanted to put that out there and and let people know, you know, why we're having you on the show because you're an unconventional guest for me. I don't typically have musicians on. I've had rappers on that you know, for the most part are, you know, underground and, and yeah, it's, it's a treat, dude. It's really a pleasure to have you here. And you're on the, my family thinks I'm crazy podcast. So we're going to have to ask you about your family a little bit more. So when you got into the metal scene, right, we'll get back to the Chelsea grin, Lauren Ashore stuff. Cause I do want to re-ask you that one question. Absolutely. But when you're getting into the metal scene, was it something that like you were doing as like a latchkey kid or like were your parents fully supporting you like because it was a creative outlet? Like what was that like venture into that world? Like you're looking for friends. Did you find like a rough crowd in this music scene or was it like supportive? So um, for starters, I feel like everything about, I guess, music from my parents never really they didn't really understand. I guess I don't think that it's not that they didn't really support it, but. They didn't, they couldn't pick up what I was trying to like express to them, you know? So Mm. they were more like, Hey, my older brother, he was going to pitch for the Mariners or he's going to pitch for the Cardinals. But then the trainer, you know, tells him to lift more weights. He blows his elbow out, can't pitch anymore. So it's like my older sister is a fucking neonatal nurse. And you know what I mean? And they're like me, I'm like, Hey mom, screaming on the mic. And they're like, like, that's fucking great. But like, you know, right where's the money where's the where's the stability where's this where's that so a lot of it they didn't really care much for and then on top of it they already thought i was very flighty individual because you know growing up i wanted to i want to surf i want to skate i want to uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh cards i want this i want that so i guess they saw me as a developing person they're like well this he's just gonna fall off with this shit and you know little by little i continued to do it and you know it was actually believe it or not just as of it took probably 14 years uh, before my dad actually came to the, uh, his first show. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, what was that like? Did, did, did your father enjoy it? Did he have some interesting takes? Like, uh, what was his thoughts on, on what you do? Well, it, it, you know, to be, to be frank with it, he was very excited because it was like the Warp Tour. You ever heard of Warp Tour? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad's it, been to Warp Tour, too. <laughs> it was the last one ever. I think my was dad my, was there. <laughs> yeah, and it was my first one ever. So oh. it's like, yeah, I never even been to one, you know? So yeah. Right on. Uh, he was there, and he was standing inside stage, and we were in New Jersey, and I looked at him at one point, and I, like, nodded to him. And he kind of like nodded at me and it was just kind of like the most East coast fucking shit you have ever seen. 
It wasn't even like, you know, yeah. it was just like, it felt like it was in the Goodfellas. It just felt like, all right, you see me, I see you, cool, excellent. And ended up being a great show. We end up going to the bus afterwards and I ended up smoking a blunt with my pop. You know what I mean? So it's just like, everything seems so surreal. You know, they it, it's almost like you never, hey, I never thought I'd smoke a blunt with my dad, let alone get him to go to a metal show, let alone play in Chelsea Grin, let alone play the last Warp Tour, you know? So it's like, for me, it was this very, all this crazy shit at once. And and it wasn't so much of a, huh? Like, I, this is like, I told you, you should have, you should have believed in me kind of moment. It was more or less kind of like a, hey, I'm glad you're here to share this with me because this is, yo, this is big for me. And this is all I've ever wanted you to, you know, experience. Because even with school, I, bro, I played soccer and I started every fucking game in soccer, but my parents were never there, ever, ever. And I would always you know, do as best as I could, play as best I could. And I always see everybody's parents there, you know, but mine. And then, you know, funny story. I, uh, I was graduating high school. And as you can see, I got stretched ears. You know, they're, they're about an inch and a half in my ear. When I was in high school, they were uh, five-eighths, you know, because I was like as big as I guess I was able to, quote unquote, hide them from my parents because I had long hair and whatnot. Uh, and uh, I'm graduating. You know, my dad says, I'm going to come see you. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to your graduation, but only if you take those stupid fucking things out of your ears. So oh, man. I'm like, I'm like, well, I know you're not going to go anyway. So I don't, I don't put them in my, I don't put them, I, I keep them in my ears, right? I'm standing in line and it's a California base or design school. Cause there was like graduating class of 2000 fucking kids, bro. Um, uh, and I'm standing there, and news guy comes up to me, and he's and I'm adjusting my tassel, and I guess I'm looking in my phone to adjust because probably stoned as fuck, which I don't really remember. I don't remember which left or right side the tassel's supposed to go on, so I'm standing there, and I'm like, shit. And the guy comes up to me and goes, hey, you mind if I use this picture? And I'm standing there, and I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, bro. Um, the next day, well, to beat the, beat to the punch, my dad, none of my family members went to my graduation, but to beat it to the punch, in the newspaper, on the front of the newspaper the next day was me looking and adjusting my tassel. And the caption was Bridgewater High School, class of uh, 09 student, adjusting his tassel and cell phone. And my father goes up to me and he goes, he goes, you didn't take your, your earrings out. And I, and uh, no, he goes, you didn't take your, your plugs out. That's why I didn't go to your graduation. And I said, listen, I knew you weren't going to go. and I was going to keep my plugs in my ears anyway. And I was like, I could, it was at that point, I was very rebellious. I was like, I could give a fuck if you were there or not. Because guess what? I'm on that newspaper. And apparently, I, you know what I mean? It's like, that was your slap in the face, but you should have been there. You know what I mean? It's like, you didn't go and there it was. And it's like. Right. You saw it whether you wanted to or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the universe makes it, it makes itself known in funny, wow. funny ways. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's serendipitous, man. And, and that's a lot of what that book I sent you is about, you know, just how to like create and uh, randomize synchronicity uh, occurrences, you know, because mm -hmm. they happen to us. The problem is we're so stuck in our routines that we don't notice. And our families typically uh, had a chance to be this same way. But at some point in their life, they just sort of committed that you know, last like grain to the, you know, system. And now there's like much wider expanse to get back to where they were. You know, it's a big reason why I like to focus on that 
on this show because a lot of times people have an experience of revelation or, or enlightenment. And the first thing they want to do is tell their parents, tell their family, tell their loved ones. But they're always the first people to cast out and reject what you're saying. Like, oh, come on. You know, because they've known you your whole life potentially, right? So it is, it is a tough field to navigate specifically when you're a, a born rebel, right? And I think, you know, any genre of rock is just naturally rebellious but specifically deathcore or death metal rock is like a, a very unique form of rebellion was it like was it all that it appears to be like are the people in that scene generally like like just nice artists of like putting on a front of like scary and tough stuff or or are they actually like kind of dark people with like dark personality traits like what was your like what was your take when you first kind of entered into this world? Because I know you started as like a garage band, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I first started doing it in my local scene, it was just kids. You know, I was right. just kids playing music and there was joy. It was blissful. Everybody moshed for each other's bands. There was no like elitism like there is nowadays, you know, but it's just when I grew up, I remember I remember one of the first shows I ever went to was in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Ever since that day, I have a, a deviated septum. This kid ran up to me and punched me square in my face. And I remember I went to go, I wanted to go square up with him. And this was one of my first shows in New York. And my boy grabs me, who is my boy now. To this day, he goes, you don't want to do that here. And I was like, what? He just punched me in the face. You know, he's like, you don't want to do that here. And later on in the night, there was actually a dude at the show that went to retaliate because he ended up getting beat. And I ended up seeing like 10 people just I don't know just whomp this person into the ground you know what I mean so it's like very gang oriented I guess in certain parts of that culture you know now and that's the hardcore community is very very much so like that but if we're talking the deathcore community we're talking about quote unquote um because this is where you can really dig into this bro there's deathcore death metal all these different types of genres and every different type of genre to like a click in high school dog. It's like different types of kids, you know, for like the black metal, you're going to see kids that wear all black, long black hair, probably paint their face white, probably listen to the most avant-garde metal there is where it sounds like a dying fucking animal screaming <laughs> into the microphone. You know what I mean? But right. that, that, look at me. That's for, if that's what they're into, that's what they're into. But what I'm doing to what I, or what I'm into, it's the more of the, uh, for lack of better words, the generic style of metal where we have kids, like 16-year-old kids to the age of, you know, 30-year-old son. People, even, bro, even to this day, we got some 50-year-old heads coming onto the shows, and it's it, metal knows no bounds, bro. But, yeah, in the metal community, bro, there's different types of styles for different types of things, but all on a grand scheme, as I see it now, you know, being seasoned and being in this uh, industry for quite a few years, bro, everybody is either unaware of their emotion and what their emotion is doing to them. Cause look, they live in absolution. They think this is who they are. You know, I'm this person. I am this, this is why I've been because of this that's happened to me or this that's, you know, dictated my life. I am, this, you know, very, very angry people. Um, they're very cool people. There's a lot of pot smoking people. Bro, it's just like any other where any other place in the world, there's so many different types of genres we're like, dude, there's a, there's like a, 
a stoner doom metal band, bro. Where it's just called uh, Bong Ripper. And there's another, <laughs> and there's another one called Tar Smoker. And there's there's so many, bro. There's a right. Uh, you know what I mean? You go on for hours about this, but oh, ultimately, yeah. bro, they're just people who are a little bit uh lost in their ways, just like anybody else on the planet, right? Right, right. And you know, I think from the outside looking in, it's easy to judge and and make a. a a person out to be maybe a villain or something for the way they look when in actuality they just interested in you know some darker vibes and maybe even some occult symbols i mean we kind of get that in this community of podcasting when we talk about crowley or occult stuff people are like oh you know christians specifically <laughs> no offense to any christians out there but they'll get all upset and be like you know oh that's not the truth you guys are you know not seeing the light and it's like now we're just interested in examining these occult symbols it doesn't mean that we're worshiping them just because we're talking about them on the podcast and i wonder is there like a an esoteric theme uh, an occult theme or is it just like because from the outside looking in it kind of feels like it's a mixing of of horror and and this really intense fast rock like horror themes but I could be wrong. I mean, there is this other side of it that's like kind of storytelling and epics and almost like a mythology in some cases. Mm. And maybe I'm just not seeing it. And I'm wondering, because it seems like your music, like I said earlier, it's, it's Gnostic. It's it's meant to wake people up. Is that is that the case with any of these songs? Or for they, the most part, just kind of like using demons and, and other like occult sort of things themes kind of loosely like they're not actually like believing in this stuff they're just using it because it's like a horror it's a shock it's a scare well i i do truly believe there are some bands that really do they do they really do drive the darkness through their music and they really are very hateful people you know just like in a lot of you know gangster rap it's very violent very angry it doesn't matter what the fucking music sounds like it there's bro it's like how are you gonna hide your message the same way you can go watch a movie that's meant for kids and they can hide their agenda in a movie. It's like, bro, how, at what level, at what depth are you choosing to look at the music? And it's like, of course there's some bands that, you know, really do. I'm, I'm sure that want to make a difference on this earth, but they don't know how to go about it, you know? And so they kind of get to that point in their career where they're like, okay, we're, we're level-headed and they start letting out little bits of information, you know? But even then at this point, it's like, you start saying things that goes against the, mainstream narrative bro you looked at like a fucking cuckoo you know but there are some people i do believe that want good you know um there are bands like this band called north lane you can check out and uh they're very uh atmospheric very very beautiful sounding with very like a soul soul rendering message and i believe it's you know all about like coming together banding together um there's a lot of different genres, man, and they all have a different, different, you know, network of roots that goes into different things. Cause you know, it's music, bro. It's expression. It's whatever right. the heck you want it to be, you know, it's, well, and then and, and it's individuals too, you know, people expressing themselves and also evolving uh, over time too, which is, you know, why I wanted to ask you about Lorna Shore and how it sort of shifted and like, you know, what are your thoughts on like, that point in your life and the music you were a part of and then was it the pandemic purely that that 
turned into like, okay, I need to start empowering people? Or were you seeing that? Were you getting that feeling beforehand? Because things got real screwed up with the pandemic. Everybody felt it. And folks like us who weren't willing to shut our mouths about what we saw as, you know, crimes and falsehoods being promulgated as truths and, and good things, you know, we got suppressed, right? So, but before that, before that wave hit, were you interested in empowering through the music? Well, everything I've ever written was kind of just a very dark mindset because again, I was a low vibrational person living in um, low frequency emotions, you know, instead of allowing myself to observe feelings I was feeling, I would embody them and carry them through my music. And of course there was, you know, some darker songs, but there was always a piece of me that I'm, dude, I'm a fucking Jibina, been, wanted to be a Jedi since I was a child. Always wanted to be a good guy. Always wanted to be Spider-Man. Always wanted to be the knight. Always wanted to be the guy on the good side. You know, that's just always been, even in video games, I want to be the good dude. I want to be the dude doing the good thing. And it's like, don't get me wrong. I've made some fucked up decisions in my life and anybody has, but that's the problem, you know. Um, not to bounce around the question, but now people are, they cancel you when you just do something that's opposite of anything that's happening right now. But uh, yeah, man. I do believe that I inadvertently wanted to be talking about the light, you know, but I didn't know how to do it. But meeting certain people and I think suffering enough because suffering brings wisdom. And I think I saw, I think Sam Tripoli, I think posted it one time for somebody along the lines of this community. It was like a picture of four things. It was like, how are you waking up or what stage are you waking up? And it, uh, Shows a guy at a computer for stage one, you know, just curious about it, right? And then shows him stage two, uh, drink, uh, yelling at the family members, being like, wake up, you can't see it, you know, like, why can't you see it? Uh, stage three, just sitting there depressed, being like, no one's ever going to see, you know, um, we're all fucked, you know, quote unquote black pilled. Um, and then stage four, which is it shows a guy sitting there and he's sitting at a garden. And he's tending whatever it is that's in the garden. And a buddy rolls up on him. He's like, hey, can I ask you a couple questions? I'm a little confused about what's going on about right now. And he goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, grab a shovel and help me do this real quick. And I'll, I'll explain while we work, while we work, you know. So I'm at this point where it's like I'm not angry at anybody anymore. I'm not bummed at anybody because um, I know everybody does what they can with the knowledge they have. Just like everybody. Every, Anybody, anybody on the anybody in the world does as good as they can with what they have, and even if it's out of anger, they're doing what they can with the knowledge they have. And yeah, now I am more awake than I've ever been, thanks to meeting a few choice people, um, experiencing some suffering, like I said, um, and then again meeting this gentleman Ryan, Ryan and Ble uh, Ryan Bledsoe probably has single handedly changed my life more than. Um, anybody I've ever met in my life. And I've met a lot of people through music, a lot of cool people through music and nobody as cool as Ryan. And I've met people in, you know, high ranking parts of the military. I have challenge coins from people who are high ranking in the military. And it's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's cool to like, know that, wow, these, these people want to, they want to come talk to me. They enjoy the music, but I met Ryan and I know this is, you didn't ask this, but 
I was I was starting to manifest more in my life. I was starting to manifest abundance of money, manifest of uh, just good things, and I was starting to pay attention to it. And one day I went outside, and what I've been doing is I've been going outside and I've been talking to the sky, and realistically I've been yelling to the sky because I believe my power is speech, and I believe that my strong point is speech. So I've been just talking to the sky, and the one day I was said today was the day. Today is the day that I will meet someone that will change my life forever. Today is the day that my life will change forever. Cause I was I was going to the store to go pick up fucking Pokemon cards, bro. And uh, long story short, nobody was there. I was trying to manifest somebody in the store. Nobody was there. Um, I ended up getting home and uh, was just chilling for a little bit. Ended up going on my uh, email, checked if, checked if anybody wanted any guest vocals or vocal lessons because I do vocal lessons on the side of uh, playing shows. And I had a let uh an email from Ryan Bledsoe, giant, giant letters, um, interested and going on dope ass conspiracy podcast. So instantly I saw that and I was like, I ended up reading it and he ended up telling me a little bit about his family. I got about halfway down the email and I was like, you know what? I'm feeling extremely, extremely strongly about this individual. And I sent him my number and I said, the text me or call me and we'll have a conversation. And ever since then, um, I've been talking to him. We talk to each other a couple hours or at least an hour a day on the phone. We chat with each other. Um, went to visit his family. I mean, jumping ahead, but ever since then, I've been having beings of light manifest themselves in front of me at my house with my lady at my house. And we just go out every night and we go and then we speak. And the other night, uh, we went outside and we were talking. You know, we speak, we say thank you, we say divine. Uh, Trinity, Holy Mother, because the Divine Trinity, those are the people, if you, you know of uh, Christopher Bledsoe, those are the people or the beings when they presented themselves to him. One of the times they had triangle, a triangle on their shirt, and they said they represented the Trinity. And another time, um, he was met by a, a woman, and she said she was, you know, the Divine Mother, you know. So I say that every time I go out because, hey, if that's the closest thing that I know of that is something that exists outside the ideology of the isness, um, energy, or whatever the heck you want to look at it as. And we went to go. We saw a few streaks across the side because sometimes we see some streaks, you know, and sometimes they're really close. And they, they're within probably 50 feet of us. And it's like a blur, like a flash of light in front of your face. And it's astounding. When we go to walk into the house, and I look at my neighbor's house, who's about maybe 50 yards, no, 30 yards away from me. And I see a light above the house and it like, you see something small and I'm looking and it's, and it turns, it's almost like it, it expands like a circle and I'm standing there and I'm looking at it with her and we're just standing like deer in the headlights and this thing, look, like a little, like a little orb and it goes right above our pool. It's within now within a couple, like maybe about 15, 20 feet of us and it's above our pool and it just, and gone and it blinks and it's gone and it just disappeared. And I was like, but the trick, you know, the trick to it is from what I understand is just being gracious. Whether or not you see a flash of light, whether or not something beams down on you or so, you know what I mean? Whether or not you, you see anything, you be grateful because look, we're under the stars, we're in this moment. We're being in the now because the now is what matters the most. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, right now. So 
you know, just be gracious whenever you are out there, when you are speaking and when you are trying to see something, go out there with the intention of just being grateful no matter what it is you'll see. And since I've, again, been in contact with Ryan, it's been a couple of weeks now, every night. I mean, two nights, it's been, it was rainy and there was nothing. There was all clouds in the sky. I couldn't go outside. But every night I've gone outside and I've had some type of astounding view of something, a beam of light, uh, something manifesting uh, a couple yards from me or something above the tree line. And it's like, look, when I was at uh, Christopher Bledsoe's house, there was within two hours of being there, there was 40 plus beings, 40 plus lights, 40 plus entities, however you want to see them as. And now a lot of them were like, look, little orbs across the sky and they would just move and it consists, they were just real calm, real collective, and they would just fade away. And it's not like they would fade off in the distance. They'd fade away right in front of your face, you know, and you're sitting there and you're, you're like, holy shit. And there's, there's Chris. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. He's just speaking kindly. It's being calm, being grateful. And they get closer and they get closer. And at this point, one flew over my lady's head and it looked like a freaking butterfly. And now you don't know my lady, but she is the most closest thing to a fairy anybody could ever be. She loves animals. She's like a high pitched voice. But, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, it would be a fucking butterfly. It would be a light that would manifest in the form of wings like a butterfly over your head and fly over it. And it wasn't just me that saw it. We all saw it, you know? And then another point when I was speaking, because I was speaking to Chris, I was like, yeah, man, you know, I want to be able to change the world like you do, like, like you can. And I want to be, I want to be just like you. I want to be able to do this just like, and as I was speaking, look, right above in the tree line, a light manifested and it sat there, it was just glowing. And it looked like it was, it was just hanging out there and it blinked for a second. And then it was probably like an inch over and it was just hanging there. It was just chilling, dude. It was the most brilliant, beautiful. It, it, it with the size of what it was, you almost kind of had to like, wince at it because it was that friggin bright and I was like this is the most profound shit I have ever seen in my life and again I know I j- I've jumped around a little bit but ever since I've met that family ever since I've you know come in contact with them and there's one part I left out you know I got in a car accident in uh December and my back has been fucked I got hit 40 miles an hour dead on at us at a red light this lady boom hit us slammed us airbags deployed Slammed into my head, bro. Fucked me up. My back, my spine was all messed up for longest time. Had to do uh, uh, chiropractor, all that jazz. No, long so short. Can't even put my under on without wincing. Can't put my pants on without wincing. I go and I spend time with this family, and I, I again, I've, I gave this man probably about like five, five, six hugs while I was there. I go home and my back is fine, and I'm putting my pants on. Fine. And I'm not wincing anymore when I bend over. Fine. And when I get out of bed, I'm not going anymore to get out of bed. Just fine. And I know people who have been to this fucking house. Not know, but I've heard of people who have been there who have had cancers cured from them, who have had diseases, tumors eviscerated from them, from just being in the presence of this gentleman. And 
if that wasn't enough, you know, for me, it, whether it was the beings of light that manifested feet from us, hundreds of yards from us in the sky, whether it's my back being completely better. Since I've met this guy, dude, I have almost been, it's almost, almost like there is a, I just want to do the right thing like Spike Lee, bro. You know, you know what I was saying? I'm just chilling every day. I feel myself more than ever that there is something that is like louder in my brain that is like, like maybe chill, maybe really, you know, and I find myself like observing more than reacting. And another thing I forgot to say, this is another crazy thing. I, ever since I was at that house, my ear has been ringing like a fucking bomb blew up by my head. Like I'm talking, like I'm sitting in my shower and I'm like, how is this louder than the fucking shower? And I've had tinnitus before. I've, I've had uh, bouts of it where you hear that little bit of ringing. Bro, this is like nothing I have ever heard. This was like a fucking frequency. Like me was turned up in my head. And I remember I talked to Christopher about it. I was like, Chris, um, so my ears have, my right ear has been ringing since I've been to your house. Is there a reason, a reason about that? Because I haven't listened to music. I haven't been to a concert. I haven't been by fireworks. I haven't fired any rifle. I got, you know what I mean? I haven't done anything. And you know what he said to me? He goes, it just sounds like you have to get used to walking in a higher vibration. And I was like, all right. I think that was his way of being like, sounds like you got some shit you got to work on. Sounds like you got some emotional things you need to get rid of. Sounds like there are things you need to detach from. And I tell you this right now, right now, the ringing since it's now it's been nine days. No, no, no. Well, I'm lying to you. It's been 14 days. The ringing is substantially quiet ever since I stopped worrying about it, ever since I started focusing on myself, ever since I've been going outside giving thanks every morning, standing in the sun. I don't give a fuck. I stand some butt naked, dog. I live in the middle of Ohio in the farmland so I can have my balls out in the middle. You know, nothing's going to do. I was going to say nothing to me, you know what I'm saying? So I go outside naked every day and I stand there, bro, like a, like a, like a fucking nutcase and I stand there and I give thanks and I go inside and that's the way I try to start every morning, you know, whether or not I love my dogs, you know, because I got two bulldogs or two, I don't, you know, yeah, bulldogs are crazy and wake me up. And Well, know, I don't but, think that's nuts at all. And I think the dogs are your natural alarm clock. So you're blessed there too, man. I mean, yeah. Wow. I, I've known Ryan for about a year plus some months now. I only just first met him a month ago and I've yet to go down to the Bledsoe property, but it sounds magical. It really does sound magical. And I, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm, because I heard you guys talking about, seems like people who are more, you know, left brain oriented, if that's the creative side, have a higher probability of experiencing this. And I don't know if it's so like material that we can find like a biological explanation for something like this. I think that whatever obstacle I'm, you know, facing that's like preventing me from experiencing this, because if this is true, I mean, why wouldn't it happen for me too? Right. Like you met that's Ryan. That's the answer right there. Right. That's, that's all the it is. Right there. Cause it's a place of want. Mm. It's a place you can't look at me. So remember the other day I sent you, I don't know if you got a chance to look at it. There's a scale. Oh yeah. The frequency chart. And each emotion, there's a, there's an energy, whatever, an energy reading with it and how to dispel that feeling or what you do to work around that feeling. Now, 
a place of want, a place of need, a place of envy. That's a low vibrated thing. I'm say, not saying, look, you're a bad fucking person. Guess what, bro? You're a great guy from what I've talked to. We as people, look, our energy, our emotion, it's, it's like a, a giant painting. We can pull from those paints at any moment of our day. And you can feel from those emotions at any point in the day. The trick is not embodying the emotion. The trick is observing the emotion. Now, look, when I, I went to Ryan's house or Christopher's house, I went there with this straight up thing. I was like, even if I don't see anything, this has been an incredible experience. And I've seen plenty of things going there. I think the trick for you and what I could tell anybody, and this is from, look, my whole life, I'm just like you, dog. I've seen some shit up there and I couldn't explain it. And I've always wanted to see more. But I think from the place of wanting more, it was a place of, I, I think, dispelling, you know? Because like, just like the law of attachment, if you uh, don't want something, it's going to find itself around you more often, you know? The more you look for your car keys, you lost them, you don't find them. But the second you're like, fuck it, I'm not looking for them. I don't know where you look down there, your car keys. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like, you just need to, I believe in my heart, just go out there and be grateful. Smile. Think of the best moment you've experienced, whether it's the first time you got your, your nuts rubbed on or the first time you scored a goal in soccer, whatever the hell it was. If you feel that that makes you feel the happiest you've ever been, think back, think about that. And then go out there and just go and project thought or go and project your voice. And I speak in, I guess, just like Christopher did. He spoke in little sentences. Are you there? Can you show us you're there? Can you give me a sign? We are here. We are your children. We are only here to serve you. We are here. You know what I'm saying? He was just saying oh, yeah. like that. It wasn't like, hey, what's going on? You know, I'm really curious if you could do a fucking loop-de-loop in the sky. <laughs> Tom's here. Yeah, you man. better show up. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, and, and gratitude is like, you know, very Jedi of you to say because it's disarming. It takes you out of that place of like, but I want it. No, just be grateful because you already have it. It's already a part of your reality. And don't put any expectations on it because then they'll get shattered. So, yeah. And, and I was going to ask also, like, do you think it's that place? You know, like, could you have experienced this just talking to Bledsoe on the phone? I mean, maybe that's why I haven't quite gotten it yet. I just haven't been there. You know, like, do you think that that, that like speak to me about like your experience of like the land itself like, is it similar to where you're at in ohio or is his property like unique in some way i'll be honest with you bro i think what makes it unique is his his being mm, everywhere yeah. he's ever been you've heard have you heard the story of the one oh, property yeah. he lived in and the in the 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 log in the back of the house combusting in the flames out of nowhere and they have it on video it's like three times it blows up in the flames you know People treat it as a holy landmark and people were like, go and put their clothes in there and like wear the clothes and get healed of fucking diseases and stuff. It's like, bro, then he left the house and the tree rotted away, gets to a new property. Now he's on a new property. These beings, they follow him because it's, it's not in my mind. This is what happens to me. The kingdom of heaven is not in, in one man, but all, or what do they say in the Bible? They say things like, uh, you know, you, uh, Church can be anywhere, you know, you can worship God anywhere. I believe all of any information from any religion is just muddied. And I believe it's just a way that we can connect to source, source being energy, source being higher self, source being whatever, whatever the hell you want to see it as. Um, but being on his property, bro, it's just, 
a little little nook in the middle of the woods. There's a pond. Uh, there's some crops. There's some chickens. There was very. You wouldn't even. Actually, yeah, you would. You would imagine that someone as humble as him would live there because he's just. It's a very lax place. And even the second I got there, um, I didn't. I didn't even say this before, but we, me and. Ryan got there my, and his wifey and my lady, we got there and we walked up on the property and instantly he's like, we're going to go talk to my father. He's in the workshop. And I feel like I'm about to go see the fucking president. And we're walking up to the, uh, um, the workshop. We walk inside and he's standing there and I see him and he's in the corner of the room and I go, Mr. Bledsoe, it's an honor. And he takes three steps over to me and he starts crying. And he, he's like, they were right about you. You are going to get this message to millions. You are going to help push this message to millions. In that moment, even right now, I got goosebumps up my body. In that, in that moment, uh, dog jumps up, bites my lady in the face, splits her face and half, splits her lip and half. Dog's never bitten anybody before. Never bitten anybody, never done anything to anybody. We all, we all know in that moment that there was just such a high energy in the room. Maybe there was some type of dark force there that didn't want us there. But in that moment, in that moment, it was just so much, bro, you could have cut the air with a, with a fucking knife. You just felt the energy in the room and the dog jumped up, bit my girl, ended up leaving for four hours, went to the doctor's, the hospital, we end up driving or driving to the hospital. We're sitting there, and that was a whole fucking fiasco in itself. Um, but even even my lady, and she's waking up in her own way, and she's waking up every day. She goes, "I know that I was attacked by something dark. I know that that wasn't the dog that did that." Because look again, my girl is she's like a fairy princess. No, she's great with animals. Everything loves her. She's so kind hearted. Her voice is so it's like a high register. She just sounds like like a fairy. You know what I mean? And it was just so insane that her, as a person, she's use, use, learning to use her voice better because she's an artist. She can draw. She's amazing. She's incredible. But she can never truly express herself. What are the odds that she gets bit in the fucking mouth when she is learning to use her voice? The day after her, the day after her 25th birthday, the first day to like new, new, new boots, you know what I'm saying? Like new boots, new me, you know what I'm saying? She went to go. The day after, and she gets bit in the mouth, slices her mouth open. In that night, I saw her speak more than I have ever seen her speak around strangers in my life. And she had stitches in her mouth. You know, she's super, like, bummed she got bit. But even through the bummed of being bit, even through that moment and all this, look, it, it was fucking crazy, bro. It was the most insane moment. I, I was, like, frazzled beyond belief. And the only thing I could think about it was not the fucking dog. Not what are the fucking odds? It was something doesn't want us here. Something doesn't want me to be here and wants me to leave. And that night we saw all those beings, bro. And again, it was through graciousness. And I wasn't sad. I wasn't uh, angry. I just knew that I was, I was on the right track, the right path. And things like that would scare the shit out of anybody or Things like that, people will go, oh, what are the odds that happens? It's like, oh, listen, dog, if you know how the universe works and you know how energy works and you know how 
Nothing is ever going to be a painting of just like a blatant sign. Things are sometimes a little bit abstract the way they happen because look, quote unquote, uh, God works in mysterious ways. God being energy, you know, everything is mysterious. Everything you may break your fucking leg one day, but you breaking your leg that one day you meet up, you meet somebody in the hospital room that you end up becoming a business partner with. You know what I'm saying? It's the universe has a funny way of giving you something through trauma, through pain and through that pain, you know, look, it bonded all of us stronger, made all of us stronger together. And it just made me realize that there was, there was a reason I was there and two days or a few days before us. And again, I'm please forgive me that I'm, I'm jumping back and forth. No, this. this is what we're here for, brother. Continue. Um, Ryan was, I, I suppose, I don't know, wary to bring me around his father just cause he didn't know me that well. And he asked his father, he said, can you, can you ask for a sign or can you ask or talk about Tom? And both nights, I remember I was at Ryan's house. His father sent a video and orbs of light both nights. One night it descended upon his head and it got closer and it got closer and it got closer. And the second night it got closer and it got closer and it got closer. And he told Ryan and he told me, he said, he is going to help get the message to millions is what they told me. And again, when I met him in that moment, again, he started crying and it was, again, a immense amount of energy in the room. It was there that I knew what my true destiny was, you know, and obviously before this, I knew that, I hey, I got to use my voice. I can't be, be using my platform to push the darkness when I know the darkness is a bountiful on this planet. It's the realm of suffering, the 3D realm, if you want to see it that way. Um, but yeah, I know ever since that moment, ever since meeting that family, again, I've been on the path as I guess you'd call it ever since then. And every day I go out and it's funny cause I will meet some random person and it fucking makes me laugh. And it's like, I would meet you. I would, I would, I would have this conversation with you in the middle of this place about this. You know why? Cause I was supposed to meet you today and it's every, every fucking day, no matter what I do. Cause I go out and I do something and there's somebody that I meet and I just giggle. I laugh at it because the synchronicities are ever, whether it's the numbers you're seeing, whether it's um, the conversations you have with people that are, allow you to open the gateway of light to them. Cause look, it's not like, you know, you want to go up to someone and tell them everything they've ever known is a fucking lie. Cause right then and there it just deters them from listening to you. You got to show them the light of the situation before you show them the heaviness of the situation. You know, you can, whether it's the child sex trafficking, the fucking adrenochrome, whether it's whatever it is that woke everybody up. You have to remember the first thing you have to remember. Got to control your emotion. Got to be able to be cool as a cucumber if you're going to be able to take this information. You think that if I tell an average Joe Blow some crazy shit, like say, for instance, I reference Project Paperclip and start telling about the Nazi science, start telling about the implementation of uh, the 150-something Nazi scientists from Nazi Germany. We never won World War II. It was merely a, an agreement we made with Germany. You know what I mean? And they, they rule everything, however the fuck you want to look at it. And it's like, that, that will destroy somebody. Now that or they may think you're out of your fucking mind. So the first thing you got to tell them is straight up like, well, yo, energy is frequency. Energy is emotion. You ever be in a car and you're driving 
And out of nowhere, you feel some weird feeling and you look over and there's a kid and he's got his hands and he's looking against the glass and he's looking at you in the glass. And it's not your peripheral that felt that child there. It was the transference of energy, the focus of energy, because where focus goes, energy flows. So those weird feelings we feel when someone's watching me or da 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 da, we're all empaths by nature, all of us. It's just that we've been dictated, molded by the system around us. This is where the conspiracy comes out, whether it be from the music industry, whether it be from the, the pharmaceuticals, whether it be from uh, politics. Everything has been muddied by the hands of man, been fucked up by the, the 13 families that run the planet, the Rockefellers, the Bilderbergs, whatever the hell, you, all of them, you know, they've, they've had their hand. And once you can like, break that down, you can kind of, I guess, go and start to like climb your way up and like kind of see the grand view. Cause I don't like to look at it as a rabbit hole because ultimately like, look, yeah, you can go down and continue to go down into the abysm, into the abysm, into the abysm, into the abysm, but you're going to black pill yourself if you're quote unquote going down. I like to go up the ladder because at the top of the ladder, you get the grand view and above all of the things you're like, oh, okay, I got a, I got a better understanding because the base level of a mountain, that ain't the fucking top, baby. You got to climb that shit to have a true understanding of, of where you're at. You know, if you really want to say. So I do believe as long as you can control your emotion, you can handle any information. Dude, well said, man. Yeah, I, I'm feeling it, brother. I'm feeling it. It's, it's infectious. And, you know, so many people see the Bledsoe case and they think, oh, UFOs, aliens. It's not that. No. We're talking about a connection with higher beings who have our best interests in mind, you know, and and it's my understanding that this is carried over since leaving. Like you were seeing orbs now where you live, right? Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Every night, every night. Wow. Yeah, man, I, I'm really enthralled. And I think that, you know, you're making a lot of good points. And from your perspective, it's well received and that's what we need more of in this time this crucial time folks like yourself with your experience in the industry that a lot of people you know cast doubt on right like the conspiracy theorists are like oh everyone in the music industry is brainwashed and programmed that's not the case there are bright minds like yourself who are breaking through that and showing people the light so when it comes to this pandemic that we all endured you know, was it just social media posts that made everybody turn on you? Or were you like speaking at concerts about this? Obviously all concerts were shut down for a while, but like, did you try to get out and, and actually touch, you know, get in touch with the people like do any live shows amidst that whole situation? Oh dude, we, we straight up couldn't do diddly squat. Mm. And it was at the point where I was like, how am I going to use my platform? And it, again, I was at the beginning of, my true waking up, my true, my true fucking awakening was the pandemic. Right. You know, that's when I was so angry and I was like, how don't you see this? Cause this was, again, this was the metal in me. This was the, the industry in me that was like, we have to use our voices and whether it's out of anger, we have to say something, you know? And I was speaking, I was like, you know, everyone's a fucking sheep. Everyone's a this, everyone's a that. The last thing anybody wants to hear when they're trying to wake up is someone screaming at them that they're too fucking stupid to understand. And, you know, again, I was foolish, very angry. And again, low vibrational anger. Low I was vibration. there too, brother. I was there too. How can you push a message through anger? 
how can you see your reflection, your reflection in boiling water? You gotta let that shit cool down, you know? And it's like, I was reacting to everything around me instead of understanding everyone's doing with what they have, you know, doing with what they have. So I would post online. My one thing that really, the one that, the thing that put me in the fucking doghouse in the metal industry, I went online one day and now I just was fucking over it. So I'm not playing shows if they're requiring me or the fans to be vaccinated. That's not fair. That's not right. That's straight up fucking medical tyranny, medical fucking tyranny, you know, totalitarian medical tyranny. There you go. That's how you want to put it. A couple people messaged me, right? Actually, what am I saying? A couple hundred people messaged me that day, you know, saying this, that, and the other thing. I wake up the next morning. There's blogs and whatever media and the metal industry slandering me to all hell. Calling, calling me tinfoil hat, calling me uh, extremist right-wing Republican, calling me uh, uh, 5G fucking, all, all this crazy shit just to damn me. And it was like, yo, dude, the any, if you stick up, quote-unquote, any version of the cabal, it's in any industry, in every industry, you know, it's, it's embedded with, they're like sleeper cells. It's the, it's like the darkness, the, the agent, uh, Smith's may you, um, they don't like seeing the light peek its head out. So what do they do? They take the fucking proverbial hammer and then try to silence it. But when that happened, it didn't silence me. It just pissed me off even more. And I continued to talk and I continued to speak. And it got to the point where my band, they were getting so bummed. Because it's like, listen, bro, it's like you're we're we're fucking our band right now. And then, you know, they were telling us, it's like, we have to keep our heads low. We have to not you can't be doing this shit like we got to survive this so we can play shows. And I was, again, angry. And I was like, if you're not with me, you're against me. And again, everybody I felt ever made I made everybody my enemy because nobody got my back when uh the whole internet came crashing down and bride. Thousands, thousands of people messaging me, telling me to kill myself, telling me I was going to be the reason of the death of millions, telling me that my platform is shit because my mouth is 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 retarded or whatever the fuck. All these people were saying foul things to me, telling bro foul foul shit to me. And this is look. So the past two years, everybody and not like, just just... not just trolls, like actual like other people, people with big followings too. Oh, dude, my bro, so many people in my industry, they came out. There's the, one person in particular came out from a band, um, and was just blasting me on the internet, saying, "Yo, fuck this guy." Who I don't know who he thinks to be able to talk about this message, but he is the last person to talk about this message. You know, I guess maybe he felt the one be to be the one to do it, but he's in my opinion, was blackpilled, you know, very negative way of seeing things. And, mm. you know, again, that's not me talking shit. That's just like the, the perception of the world is much brighter than what we have been led to believe. And uh, emotion has been the, the clay that has been keeping our feet at the bottom of the river, not allowing us to truly surface. And uh, people really, really took it out on me, man. It fucked me up. It fucked me up. I, I'll tell you what, bro. I... I have been stabbed in my butt cheek at a drug deal. I've jumped out of a two-story building and shattered my fucking ankle trying to not get robbed. I've uh, fallen out of a car, out of the passenger side of the car, going 35 miles an hour, banging my head on the concrete, bouncing across the ground like a hard-boiled leg. I've been hit in the head with a bat. I've had all this fucked 
of shit happened to me. Nothing could prepare me for the might of the wrath of the fucking internet. Nothing. Man. And you think it, you, you think you, you think you're tough until you got people telling you every day, yo, I hope you die. That's fucked I hope, up. I, yeah. I hope you literally, I hope your family dies. I hope you're all dry. I, bro, it, I'm getting sweaty thinking about it because it makes me, it makes me, it like, it's like post-traumatic stress. I, I, I ain't got no disorder from that. It's, it, it's, it's real because my, <laughs> I'm already starting to sweat thinking about this shit. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, it was raw, dog. It, it was punishing, painful. My family turned my back, their back on me. My peers turned their back on me. My friends turned their back on me. Um, nobody stuck up for me. You want to know why? Because they didn't want to get fucking crucified with me. They didn't want to get looped into, oh, you got Tom's back? Nah, you're going with him. And that's the, that's the pain. That's the, the, the power of cancel culture, you know? You silence one, you know, you silence everyone. Cause it makes an example out of it, you know, like the, uh, like the court system, bro. They just wait till they get one person. They make an example out of it. And it's supposed to scare the shit out of people. So they don't do it ever again, but it made me angry. And through that anger, I created, I started to do this band called Darko. And Darko is what started to turn into from my anger to being like, you know what? No, we're going to get this message out and we're going to put it in a way that people are going to eat it and they're going to eat it and not even think about it. And I put it in dark music, dark imagery, and with positive, positive, the, bro, the motherfucking every word for the most part is very positive and it's very uplifting. Brothers, sisters, holders of earth, don't bear teeth to the ignorance and bless the mo- embrace the moment for what it is. I can't. Remember the last I took your advice. I can't, you can't look in the mirror. It's like a whole bunch of stuff. People are like, oh, okay. So why do you scream that? Why well, scream it? Because the same way that everybody's in my industry, I, I'm, I'm a part of this. And I, again, it, it ain't me versus you. It's yo, let me show you what I've learned. Let well, me it, help you see what I've seen. And can I know? say, because as a martial artist, as a fan of, you know, harder music, I, love what you're doing because it's directed anger you know we shouldn't live in a world of like oh well we can't be negative like no anger has a purpose it's just for the longest time certain styles and it's you know rappers are guilty of it too you know they're directing people's anger in the wrong direction in an unproductive direction and i think what you've done with darko is fired people up man really Mm -hmm. fired people up and that's why I want to put that front and center on this episode because whether you're into this scene and this genre or not, you're going to hear Tom like saying what he's saying and it's going to touch you like this. The one part that really touched me was, you know, we've been eating shit. Like I forget, I'm not going to butcher the line because you probably know it by heart, but you know, and we've been eating shit. Like when is enough enough? Like that was the mm-hmm. gist of it. And and I was like, wow. Like I, I wish I had loudspeakers in my car because I would blast this driving down the road, you know? And, and that's, that's the thing is like when, when people like me, someone who's just, you know, got barely a couple thousand followers listening to my show or, or who I was three years ago, just a delivery guy, no, a nobody, you know, when there's not an artist like yourself, like, putting together a, a rally it's hard to to rally support you know but if you get like a, a really like powerful rhythm behind a message 
it fires sure. people up. It smooths the way. And it's that light that you need to show someone a harder truth that they wouldn't hear without that killer bass or that like drum rhythm, you know? And, and I think that, you know, we really need to highlight that and, and all respect to you for not like turning your back on music after what the music industry did turning their back on you, man, because you know, you, that just goes to show that you're doing this for the audience, for the people, not, not for the, the clicks and their approval or the industries, you know, or money you're doing this because it matters to you. And, and I really have a lot of respect for that, man. I, I think that's tremendous. Bro. I haven't, I haven't played a damn show over the, the whole pan, uh, pandemic. Obviously we played one, uh, a little bit, our, uh, a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, I'm sorry, I'm at a, uh, struggling to remember it, but we didn't make any money doing anything. Darko was what allowed me to put music out there and make money when my bigger band or the band that, you know, brought me into this wing of, you know, people paying attention to me, you know, I couldn't do anything with Chelsea Grin. But now with Chelsea Grin, I'm doing the same thing. I'm, we have a, a double record coming out. We have uh, one coming out actually a couple weeks. That is uh, a double record. It's called Suffer in Hell, Suffer in Heaven. And the idea or the meaning of it is it's through whatever mindset you choose, heaven and hell is a mindset. You know, you can choose to make your life or this time on earth the best place in the best possible time you can have. Or you can make it hell and make it into a dark place. And that's the ideology before uh, the ideology of what the meaning is. And it's like, you know, you look at this as a metal man. Say you're a random Joe Blow. And you're like, wow, suffer in heaven, suffer in hell. That's heavy. You know, you're going to go look it up and check it out. But once you understand, it's, it's much deeper than what you're looking at for a face value. It's like, dude, even with the songs on the Chelsea Grin record, I won't even take credit for writing them. Because I'll tell you right fucking now, I, I got downloads a lot of the time while I was writing. And I would go and I'd look at the words after I wrote them and I would laugh because I would be like, Tom Barber, you motherfucker, you did not write that. You know, it's like right. downloads, they come to you in such ways yeah, that it's, man. you know, it's, well, I can't wait for people to hear it. Yeah, dude. Wow. No, and that, that was something I wanted to bring up at some point. So I'm glad we got here because I think what Chris Bledsoe does and what you do are not all that dissimilar. I think as a, an artist, as somebody who's like a muse, someone who's connected to whatever energy sphere you choose to believe in that these downloads are coming from, I think you and I would agree. It's like a version of our higher self or a being that's sort of guiding us in some way, or, or maybe even something beyond that. But I think what Chris is doing in his own way through the course of his life is an expression of the same energy that you're connecting with when you're expanding people's consciousness through music that, like we said, you know, at the beginning, you know, judging a book by its cover, like some asshole, you know, I'm like, oh, that's all dark crap, you know, but diving into Darko, I was like, whoa, okay, this is, this is what I needed. You know, this is something I could, I could put in the regular rotation. So, you know, when you were receiving downloads, I know you said you're in Utah when you had your first download. It's a strange place. I mean, so is where the Bledsoe's live. I'm kind of into like the landscape energy and whatnot. And Jersey too has its own special, unique energy. But is there like a charged meditation or or a mantra that you use 
when you're getting in the zone to write because i know this stuff just like hits you like a flash but like maybe someone out there wants to try to warm themselves up to you know being more creative like do you have any suggestions like into your writing process because it is such a like ephemeral thing i know you can't like lay it out a b c and then it'll happen but like what is that experience like when you're when you're channeling this this music you know uh for me it's it's i don't have to do anything it's i if i hear a song and i like what i hear i get i'll get goosebumps and then i'll start to write i'll start to write and it's it's not like i'm like ooh. I, I want to write this song about this. It's, ah, oh, the song makes me think of this. And I start writing. And again, how the fuck could something that is notes give you just imagery and just give you words? It's a download, bro. That's, that's something, coming, something coming to you in the form of uh, knowledge and vibration. Because what? What is music? Is vibration. It's telling, you know, if you have two, two, two tuning forks and I hit one on the end of the, on one side of the room, the other one's going to vibrate even if you didn't hit it. Well, why is that? Well, because noise and energy is, is vibration, it's frequency. The same way that we talked about before, you're in the car, you feel that, that energy displacement. You feel that, that child looking at you from the corner of that. You go, you look, and you see it's, there's something looking at you. It's, it's feeling, paying attention to the feelings. You know, we're, so, we're in this world where everything's loud. You got cars beeping, people yelling. I don't know, motherfuckers on TikTok. Everyone's trying to sell you their product. They're fucking... Snake skin oil, cancer choke. You are in this world where everyone just wants to get by. Everyone just wants to make money. Everyone just wants to be happy. But you know what everyone doesn't want to do? They want they don't want to take a second to 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 feel what they're feeling. They'd rather go listen to that song to distract them. Smoke that blunt to distract them. Go drink that beer to distract them. Go play the video games to distract. Go watch the fucking football. Go watch that. Bro, it's all fucking Roman circus. It's all a Roman fucking circus. And while we're sitting here, it's all burning around us and it's all falling to the fucking ground. Or you wake up and you start doing it your due diligence. You start doing what you can around you. And not everybody has the ability to fucking be, have the platform and have that place to speak. So what do you do? You go around you, you speak to those around you. And again, I know you asked me about writing, but I can't tell you how to write the perfect song. I can tell you, I hear something and my body gets like fucking goosebumps and I instantly, it's, it's like, boop, go, all right, go ahead. It's the connection. It's like I get, something touches my brain and I'm like, all right, I'm rocking and rolling. And guess what? If I don't like the song, if I don't like what I hear, there is no, there is no connection. There is none of that. I'll just start writing uh, I can write about whatever the fuck you want me to write about, but it won't have as much meaning if the song doesn't have a uh, transference of energy and emotion for me, if that makes any sense. So writing, drawing, painting, do you feel when you're looking at that, when you're doing that painting, do you, when you're moving the lines, when you're drawing the words or whatever the fuck it is you're doing, do you feel immensely while you're doing it? Or are you doing it to just solely create? Because anybody can go write a fucking book don't mean the book's going to be good. You know, you better feel you want, you want to fucking spend time. You want to know what the real currency is. Time is the currency. You want to spend money, spend time. You better make sure you like what you're doing because you're going to waste a whole bunch of time realizing, huh, I don't like that. And then you got to be like, well, what do I like? And that's where 
we have conversations like this. What makes you feel good? What makes you feel empowered? I know music has always made me feel empowered. That's why I never, ever, 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 even if people turn their back on me, shit on me, crucified me, said all this shit, would I ever turn my back on music? Because she has always been there for me. Even if, even if I couldn't quite be grateful for music, these past couple of years, through this darkest time in my life, music has saved me, has pulled me from the abysm that was my mind, that was the darkest place of my emotion, that was me giving up on humanity, that was me feeling I was alone, that was me feeling all of these things that, you know, now look at me, I'm talking to you. I, I met Ryan. I have all these people that are, look, my tribe is starting to bring itself in. And it's like, it's getting to the point now where it's like, look, this is even some wackier shit, dog. My parents are moving uh, to North Carolina. I want to move there because, you know, they're getting older. I want to be there to help them out. You know, whether it's fucking snows. Yeah, obviously don't snow that much in North Carolina, but whether something happens, I want to be there to help them, right? What are the odds that Ryan is lives in the same place that I am looking to move in? Wilmington, North Carolina. Wow. And he asked me, he said, where are you? going to move to us. I'm looking in Wilmington, North Carolina. And he said, Tom, you understand that's where I live, right? <laughs> and it's like, again, we talked about synchronicities before the universe is going to keep going to grab you by your shirt. And be like you are paying attention yet. Mother fucker. It's like, it'll keep slapping you until you're like, you have that Neo moment where he's sitting at the computer and it's like, wake up Neo. And he's like, you know, everybody has that wake up Neo moment. And it, again, whether it was the gas being too high that made motherfuckers have that Neo moment, whether it was 9-11, the uncertainty of 9-11, whether it was the fallacy of wars, whether it was the fallacy of any information the government has ever distilled unto the public, you know, whether it was even look from the Biden administration uh, as of late, not divulging the uh, the JFK assassination information, because look, what is it, every hundred years or every something amount of years, they have to divulge information or declass information. And what did that one chick, she, she went on TV. She's like, we can't, the people aren't ready for this information. It's just to the point where it's like, yo, they think everybody is a dumb fuck because this whole system has made us into consumers has made us into, um, I can't go a day without my Starbucks. I can't go a day without my cell phone. I can't go a day without tweeting. I can't. It's like, well, uh, and it seems what? like, it seems like it's manufactured like obsolescence. Right. And, and part of evolving is, and you've sort of shown us this through the stories that you've told and it's really palatable but like this dark night of the soul that everybody has to go through to evolve, to, to reach a higher version of themselves, this sort of alchemical process even, it feels like we're being, as a society, sort of limited to that first stage, that darkness stage, that stage that is sort of necessary for everyone to grow out of. It's like you need to break your muscle down for it to grow back, right? You need to get a you know a, a wound for you to scar and then that area grows in stronger you know and mm -hmm. and this is just how nature is too on a macrocosmic level you look at all uh, of the things that are living eventually become you know new life one day through their components they pass away but 
they live on, you know, and, and people have been led to be so afraid, right? And that's why I asked about horror earlier, because I think that's the same reason why we have so many misunderstandings with alchemy, esotericism, and the occult is because people have been led to be afraid of these things. I'm afraid of horror movies because of the way they look and maybe because my cousin, my older cousins trapped me in a room and forced me to watch Chucky when I was five years old. I mean, that probably did it more than anything else. But there's a fear that like would prevent someone from understanding something that could be transformative, right? Because like we said, we, you need to travel through the darkness to, to get beyond it, you know, so you don't get mm -hmm. trapped in it. Absolutely. And I agree with you, man. It's I, I believe through pain comes wisdom. Like what are, what are those monks say that live on the, the fucking top of the mountains in Indonesia, wherever the hell they're at? They, they just beat the shit out of themselves every day, whether it's holding boiling water in their hands with cups, whether it's punching wood, whether it's walking up a mountain um, with a dry, a 24 dry hour fast with no food in their body. It's like how much suffering do you need before you see? And that brings me on to my next thing. I did a, a seven day, no food, no water fast. And when I did that, that was the closest I have ever been to like, I guess being having that Christ consciousness because you without any food in my body, bro, after like the third day, because the second day was a little shitty. The third day, I couldn't give a fuck. I, I wasn't hungry. I wasn't thirsty. I would say I passed most of my time playing video games. I couldn't work out because guess what? You you work out while you're fasted, you're going to start destroying your body because your body needs sustenance to work out. You know, it's got to eat the fat because fat is fuel. Fat is everything. Fat is the one thing that, believe it or not, is one thing people need to be healthy because that is what your body is fueled off of, the shit that feeds your brain, this, that, and the other thing. Um, When I did that fast, bro, I never felt, so close to being like relaxed, calm, cool, collective. And even on the seventh day, um, I could have gone more. Could have I could have done any more. And bro, every night I'd cook for my mom and my dad. I'd cook them steak dinners or chicken marsala or whatever the fuck it is. I would cook every night and I would have the the smell just licking my face every night. And I would wouldn't even drool. Wouldn't even wouldn't even be bothered by it. And it was it was funny because I remember one time it was uh what does it say in the Bible? I like making Bible references because it makes so much sense. It says, uh, uh, what does it say? Drop, uh, he says it to the one rich guy in the Bible. He's like, drop everything and follow me or abandon all your worldly riches and follow me. Now, do I think it means sell all your items and you'll understand everything? No, I believe if you were to have nothing for a period of time, you will value that fucking grape after that seven day fast. Because I'll tell you what, bro, that seventh day, I drank a sip of coconut juice and I wept for about 15 minutes with, I don't know how there's any water in my body to even cry fucking tears after seven days, but I wept for about 15 minutes. And I remember I drank that, that coconut juice and I sat there and my dad came downstairs and this is like, it's like a fucking an East coast, uh, TV show. And he sees next to me. He's like, Oh, what's wrong with you? And I was just like, I was like, man, if only you, if only you knew. He was like, oh, I guess the coconut juice is pretty good, huh? You know what I mean? Just like not even fathoming the immensity of the situation and like the milestone of like me just a fucking week 
bro, I didn't shower. I didn't brush my teeth. I didn't, I, I pissed, defecated. Obviously your body's going to go through that, that, uh, purge of whatever's in your body because the average human has 15 to 20 fecal, uh, 20 pounds of fecal mass in their body. And, and, uh, you're a big man in nutrition. You're a big man. We can talk about this anytime of the, we're friends. You can call me on the phone. We can talk about this, but it's like the best way to eat. And I'll tell you this right now. I've been eating a steak every day for the past three months. I don't eat anything else. And I haven't had a heart attack. I haven't had anything. I got no pimples on my face. I'm fucking great. I put on a lot more muscle mass, actually, from just eating steak. I don't, you know what I mean? There's actually a uh, longevity doctor, not longevity, a uh, fertility doctor, the best in the world. I'm going to have to get a link. I'm going to send it to you. He's like 60-something years old, and uh, he's jacked, ripped, cut, and he doesn't even lift weights, doesn't do any of this shit. And his claim is that by just eating meat, your body will build itself and will give you the muscle it needs to sustain now, obviously, you can build muscle. You can become a fucking mutoid all you want and get big as fuck and not be able to move your fucking neck. But, bro, realistically, you want to be a ninja, right? You're into wrestling. You're into fighting. You don't want to You want to be able to fucking move and be limber and get around. And that's what we are, you know? So much of what we've been taught is excess, excess, excess. Whether it's all the muscles, all the money, all the porn, all the this, all the drugs, all that. It's, bro, it's balance balance think a ninja will fucking beat a viking's ass any day of the week not just because he's got throwing stars and he's got you know tact and you know he's a badass but because he's not gonna go running in and be fucking angry and slashing like a berserker because there's a tactical way to see things and i know look you may not agree with that you may agree with that but halfway bro there's another chick butter and steak gal i believe her name is on youtube and she's a little dainty asian woman only eats steak, has the cleanest skin I've ever seen, claims, 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 claims. She couldn't have birth. She couldn't give birth. And this is what this fertility doctor um, at reference, this lady, and she couldn't give birth. She ate steak for a couple weeks and ate red meat because she was on the fucking vegan shit. And lo and behold, she started having a period again. Lo and behold, she started ovulating again. And it's like, look at that, you know? And you think back for a moment and even think back to the Roman times. Just think back to um, the times where kings and queens, what do the kings and queens eat? They eat fatty flesh. They eat berries, right? They eat the berry, depending on what time of the year it was, it was fatty flesh and berries and beer and ale, whatever the fuck it was. What did, this, what did the, uh, the peons eat? They eat bread, which is a starch. And cheese. <laughs> well, curd wasn't even cheese. It was curd. It was like the shittiest form of cheese. If they were lucky, they got cheese. Right. You know, they, they ate bread and mostly vegetables. What did the animals eat? Vegetables. Bread, or excuse me, vegetables and bread, they're like, they're like serotonin. A little bit, they do a little serotonin thing too. It's like so when you eat them, you know, it makes you feel good. Now, granted, they might not taste, taste those, but they sustain life, just like they sustain animals, just like they sustain the peasants to work long enough. That's why they said the nobility, the fatter they were, you know, obviously the richer they were because they were able to eat everything. And those are the ones who live longer. The, the fatter people live longer. Granted, all these motherfuckers end up living to like 30, 40 years old. But the people who were living in the, squ the squalor, they didn't live very long because of the food they ate and the nutrition they ate. Now go look at the hood. I grew up in the hood. You can't go get a motherfucking apple in the hood, but you damn well can get apple flavored soda. 
you can't go get a potato in the hood, but you damn well could get potato chips, right? So what is what is this cycle we're seeing here? The the nobility has always kept the little guy eating the shit, eating the shit, eating the shit. And now it may not be as shit as it, uh, and not it may not be as good as it was back then. But look, we have all these chemicals, all these dyes, all these flavorings, all these um, things that are giving people autism, uh, fucking people's bodies up, uh, giving people migraines, all this crazy shit and inflammation in the body and colon cancers and all these deficiencies. And it's like, where does it all, where does it all stem back to? These motherfuckers who tell us, tell us what to eat, what to do, what to think. Same thing with the healthcare system. Why do women lay down when they give births? They used to be, they used to squat. There used to be a birthing chair and women used to squat in a birthing chair and the baby would, there was no fucking eight hour process. There was no any of that bullshit. They had someone at the bottom, they catch the baby. That was the easiest way. But what did they do? They make it so now women lay down. Everything on this earth is dictated by some fucking cocksucker who wants dominion over man and woman for whatever, men and women, you know? And it's like, you just trace it back. You could sit like that nutcase and put every red line and every red wire on your wall and create a spider web of fucking lies and deceit. But it all just spans, spans, uh, spans back to one thing. Eat good, eat right, eat clean. You'll probably live a healthier life. Move your body around. Don't be so stagnant. Because you move, if you don't use it, you lose it. You know what I mean? It's like I seen an 80-year-old dude do a backflip. I seen a 60-year-old dude need a cane and not be able to walk. It's what you do with yourself. It's what this system has designed us to turn into. You know what I mean? And it's like, again, here goes fucking crazy Tom with another reference to the Bible. They talk about what? Abraham. Or no, it was 900 years old when he had his fucking first kid or whatever the fuck it was. Was this motherfucker 900 years old? I don't know. But it just goes to say, if we really, people were living to 900 in that time period, and people now are living to like, what, 90, 100? It's like, were we re- are we really the most advanced people? You think of Atlantis. You think about all these places that were here before us. Were we, are we really that advanced? Are we? Because we have all this knowledge and all this foreshadowing in history before us, even if you look in, again, jumping all over the place right here. The, Az- the Aztecan pyramids, the Mayan pyramids. You have pictures of people with fucking spacesuits on. You got people looking into telescopes, into the stars. Bro, if I told you to make a new color, you couldn't fucking make a new color with all the knowledge of any color you knew. Why is that? Because we are not original beings. We are beings of inspiration. We are being, we are tinkerers. We fuck with things and we modify them. Just like, look, ain't no rapper original. They hear something and they're like, I want to do what homeboy did. And they're going to do that and they do it better and they modify it. Things change over time. It's like the game of telephone. Things change, but minor, whether it be through sports or fashion, everything changes little by little, but it's, it's minor. And it's, you know, man, oh, dude, I could go, I could talk all day about this shit. I really could. No, I'm with you, dude. And I'm just sitting here kind of like taking it all in because I don't want to just be like, to stop you, be like, I agree. Cause I'm just like, yeah, keep it coming, keep it coming. When I used to work at Whole Foods, I was, I was like tricked into being a vegan. I, and I don't talk about this that often because. You know, I, I'm sure there are people who have found a way to make it a healthy lifestyle. Don't come jump down my throat if you're, you know, whatever. But I'm with you, dude. The, the, the choice that I made, you know, first it was no more soda. 
no more candy, all that crap gone, right? That instantly improved my health. I, that was a no-brainer. But oh, yeah. I, I started eating the, the, you know, junk food, vegan junk food, the, the just sort of stuff that's not really, like, healthy, but they brand it as healthy, you know? And it just not in food. Yeah, it just it made me feel like I had no energy whatsoever. And as soon as I realized, like, oh, I'm not eating meat. That's my problem. My energy levels shifted completely. And I was a delivery driver, which you got to be, you know, moving, 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 moving for eight hours a day. So I had no choice but to change my diet at that point in my life. And then yogurt, too, with with a very high fat count, because not all yogurt is like this. I get a very specific type of yogurt. It's Icelandic yogurt, and it's got like 28 grams of fat in it per cup. And it's just okay. delicious stuff. And ever since I've started integrating that into my diet, no dental pain, you know, and I, I brush my teeth, of course, but I'm not using fluoride or anything like that. And yeah. it's completely reversed the problems that I put myself through from candy, soda, and all that other junk food bullshit that you grew up around when you're in, you know, a place like we grew up in. I wasn't so close to New York City, but we're from the, the what's called like a megalopolis. Literally, it's, there's so much asphalt that they, like, it's all one cohesive region now. It's the largest metropolis of its kind in the world uh, where we are. So, and not anymore for you, but where you grew up. But either way, getting away from that, that's a big goal of mine and doing as much as I can to, to clean my system out, you know, that's pivotal because all of the Atlantis, the, the occult information, like all of that stuff, it was interesting, but it made so much more sense once I started take caring, taking care of my health because I had the facilities to integrate that information you know, that information could be like junk food if you're not taking care of yourself, you know, and I think this is sort of what you're describing, like as you've gotten healthier, as you've realized more things like it's like leveling up, leveling up, leveling up. And now you're on this level where you're like, OK, now I, I think I'm ready to start sharing what I've learned, you know. So, dude, I, if you want to keep talking about ancient knowledge, I mean, we could go there for sure. But I, I did want to point out that, yes, that's. Well-received information. I think people who are interested in the, the topics we generally talk about, you know, because health isn't the number one topic, we do touch on it with some guests, but, uh, but yeah, it matters. It, it matters. Yeah, it's, 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 it should be a part of every episode in some way, you know? If you are suffering, it's like, okay, we could, we could even put this with some conspiracy shit. Do you really think that they were whipping slaves when they made the pyramids? Do you really think someone <laughs> getting their fucking ass whooped made a fucking pyramid? Right. It's the same way, like, do you think you can process information when your body is in a means of suffering? Mm. Hell no. If you're in suffering, you don't want to hear anything. The whole world around you is just like, ah, I don't want to hear anything. So keep the people in suffering, keep them away from knowledge. And so further divide us. You know what I mean? It's like, they, everything around us is just meant for us to glorify stupid shit. You know, it's just what I forget where I heard it, but look at the algorithms in certain countries. They glorify engineers in other countries. And in America, they glorify fucking twerkers. And you're at the top of the fucking view me or whatever the hell it is on the Instagram page. It's like our ideologies are so skewed, but that's because of the, the media. The media is what's painted us to be a certain way. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, when you didn't have your phone, 
or when he didn't have a cell phone, there was that nervousness going to call a girl. Make, oh man, I hope my, I hope her dad doesn't pick up or man, I hope my little brother's not on the other line listening to this conversation. It's now to the point where people are like, hey, or excuse me, not even, hey, it's, yeah, I think you're cute. Talk picture. Let's meet up. And they send, that's, that's all it is. It's like, bro, the, the tides have fucking shifted in like the mind of people where it's like, we don't even value sex anymore. You know, it's like to the point where, again, call me crazy. It's to the point where everyone's jerking off every day, getting rid of their fucking, their, their fucking cum, their, their chi, whatever you want to talk about. That's you. That is you as a person. That is as on a molecular level will create another fucking being. Your DNA, your every fiber of your being is in that nut. And so just giving it away every day, you are keeping yourself at a low, a low scent. I, I do believe in semen retention and you, you'll see yourself change. Bro, even your fucking facial hair will get thicker if you don't nut every day. It's just what happens because you have your testosterone in your body or whatever the fuck you want to see it as. But I, uh, where was I going with that? Yeah, man, it's just, it's all connected. Everything we look at, it's connected to food. Well, I I think, yeah, that's exactly where you're going with it. With like this, it's it's a conspiracy. It's one of the biggest conspiracies there is, is that they're keeping us in a state of unhealthiness. And that's a part of why so many people aren't seeing the light and not waking up and, to your point, yeah, I've, I've seen the same thing with my beard. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't until I started like really working and not just sitting around doing nothing all day that I actually started to yeah like kind of full out and and become the man that I was meant to be rather than this like shriveled up like bald weird naked mole rat looking human that that people are becoming you know by like just kind of living their life in this really sterilized bubble almost. Box, yeah. box, box. Yeah. They put themselves in this fucking box, which, bro, they say you shouldn't even be indoors more than two hours at a time. Wow. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's why I look. The first thing you should do when you get out in the morning, bro, go outside, sit in the sun, breathe. You know how to breathe through your gut and breathe through your chest? I could teach you if you'd like. I would I would definitely take you up on that because I know as a singer, you probably have some techniques that I might not be aware of. So, yeah, please. If you're, a, if you're a weightlifter, this is good for you, too. If you are a swimmer, this is good for you, too. If you're a hunter, you could use this, too. If you're a, a bomb disposal guy, it's good for you, too. If you're a surgeon, this is good for you, too. You can do this with anything you want, bro. You know mm. Wim Hof? Yeah. Okay, well, this is the way I, I learned how to breathe through my stomach from learning from him. So, we are in the most laziest state of humanity we've ever been. We're not running from uh, nights. We're not getting shot with arrows. We're not getting raped and pillaged how things are back in the day. We're actually ordering Uber. We are sitting in front of our digital boxes, jerking off onto a napkin, laziest piece of shit humans we've ever been through history. So what does that mean? We're breathing through our chest, shallow breathing. Now, again, not piece of shit humans, but. This is the way we have evolved into, you know, you look at the American band American group from the 60s, bro. Everybody, you see them doing uh, pull-ups and push-ups. And you ever see those videos of people in gym- gymnastics in like the 50s and the 60s and everybody in the high school was doing pull-ups. And oh, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? But you look at everybody and they're like, I don't think I'm going to do gym because I don't want to. You know what I mean? I'm saying it's like, oh, yeah. Everything has turned into a woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. Now. 
Forgive me. Where were, what were we talking about before we got to that? About semen retention and, and people's, you know, attention being sterilized and put in a box and how we need to spend more time outside and that in nature, right? Barefoot in nature, bro. Stand outside with your feet in the grass. What do they say? Release of negative ions through your feet. If you believe in the chakras, if we are all these different chakras, if we are energy, if you believe that when someone is uh, getting brought back to life, what do they do? Clear, they get you with electricity because we are electric beings, you know? We got to set the body on the right electrical course. Most people are deficient in magnesium, iron, and they don't even realize it because they're eating what every day? Bread. Bread is the last thing you should be eating. Actually, it's the, you shouldn't be eating it. Any carb you eat is not even to be broken down in your body. It's just something that is to eat. It's empty mass. On a molecular level, what you should be eating should be benefiting your body. Now, they say things go through a process, processed foods. Why? This is a process of breaking it down. That's why they say to eat simple. Eat like a caveman. Eat like a dog. I know if some people have talked about eat the same thing every day. If you eat like lettuce and berries and meat and starch all like in the same time, because that's a sandwich, right? The sandwich has all of those different things, all those different fucking shit on there. Your body's only going to break down what it can break down first. And then it's going to leave behind the shit behind. Like it's going to leave the meat behind for last. And what's going to happen with that? It's going to rot in your fucking organs. And that's why people get shitty farts or they get stomach aches or this. You have to eat simple. Eat a steak. Eat a this. Eat a that. The more you compile into your body, the more your body's got to be like, fuck, we could break down the lettuce <laughs> first. Then we're going to break down right. this. Then we're going to break down that. And that's why, bro, when you burp, that's the buildup of gas. That's the releasing of gas. You know why, like, Certain animals like pigeons can't burp because they're not meant to eat certain things. That's why when you give pigeons, now I don't know this from experience, but I've seen videos. You give them rice, what happens? They blow the fuck up. They they literally blow up because they can't burp. They explode. You know, it's like certain things you put in your body, we can get rid of them because we have the ability to do it. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be eating. We should be eating it, you know? It's like you could eat sugar, but what happens after you're done eating that sugar? You have a crash. It's because it's not it's not proper fuel. If you're going to start a fire in the back of your house, you're not going to throw gasoline on the fucking ground and light a match. You're going to get a whole bit of wood, a whole bunch of wood, some tinder, and then, you know, air, and you built that fire, and the fire is going to burn sustainably. But sugar is just like gasoline. It's that build up and drop. That's why another thing, bread gets turned into sugar when you uh, when you eat it. You know what I'm saying? It gets broken down. Some. Same thing with beer. Everything gets turned into a sugar. It's a complex process of shit turning into a fucking sugar and you shouldn't be eating it because sugar turns into a free radical in your body and it stays in your body and it fucks you up and it does all wreaks havoc on your immune system and uh you know most people the thyroid the thyroid is an involuntary muscle just like the the diaphragm the diaphragm is the only way you can work out because you know involuntary is you know work out a muscle like this to voluntarily work out the an involuntary muscle when it comes to breathing, you need to exhale. And you can even feel that as you exhale. And if you breathe out, you're going to feel that clench in your abs. That's your diaphragm. It's like a Cupid's bow right underneath your ribs. Um, Yeah, man. So when we're breathing, I know I went off on a tangent on this. When we're breathing through our stomach, we're going to breathe with H-O. So if you were to breathe in through your gut, you'd go. If you were to breathe in through your chest, you'd go. Right? You can see my chest moving when I go. Right? But if I was breathing through my gut, it would be. 
You see, you can't see my chest moving no longer. Now, when you implement both of them at the same time, you get belly chest breathing, which, which first we breathe out all the way, breathe in through gut first, then breathe in through chest. Right there, you have all this oxygen in your body, right? Say you're about to go lift some heavy weight. Say you're about to go run a mile. You could do this breathing before you go lift that weight, go run that mile. And you will find yourself over-oxygenated. You will feel your blood vessels become, begin to tingle in your body. You'll feel like it's like a, a sweat or like a tingling sensation. And that's just the over-oxygenation of your blood vessels. Because as you begin to do this, this belly and chest breathing, you're going to start feeling like, oh my God, I'm getting a little lightheaded. Because you're not going to be used to the amount of oxygen you're getting. Because again, we're at the laziest we've been in humanity. X amount of fucking years. You know what I mean? We're breathing through our chest. We're shallow chest breathers. So if you can conquer your breathing, you can even do more with your body. You can run more, lift weight, lift heavier weight, control your fucking emotions. Because again, breathing does what? It resets. What do they say? Go breathe. Go relax. Just breathe. That hippie shit. Well, it's the truth. To reset your emotion, which Wim Hof has learned, homeboy climbed Mount Everest in his underwear. People need oxygen tanks. People need state-of-the-art gear. People need, he did it in his underwear. And not only that, he teaches normal everyday Joe Blows to do the same shit. You know what I mean? So it's, is there a, is there a anointing of power? No, it's people learning something and giving the information away. Here we go. Right back into conspiracy theory. What does pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical company do? A patient cured is a customer loss. So, of course, right. there's going to be all these fucked up things to fuck people up and continuously keep the, the wheel of going. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, I, I know this girl, her brother passed away and the, the hospital, in the hospital, they deemed it as COVID when he passed away. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, the guy, the guy uh, died from, I think it was uh, some random thing. I forget what it was, but the hospital deemed it as COVID. You know, and it's like his appendix you know, oh, burst and it was COVID's fault. <laughs> you know, he got in a car accident, yeah. his neck broke and the internal bleeding was because he had COVID. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like yeah. all this crazy shit. And, you know, you know, my sister's a neonatal nurse and she works in Georgia. And she hears people talk all the time and, you know, she doesn't want to speak about it, but doctors get paid X amount of money to diagnose people with COVID. And it's like, don't you think that's an interesting thing? Oh, and yeah. it's like. I, when I was on tour, look, I did tour when the COVID thing happened. And again, this was after I said, I will not tour if I have to be vaccinated or whatever this and the other thing. And I was the only one on the tour package that wasn't vaccinated or along with our photographer. And we were the only two that didn't get sick the entire tour. Everyone around us had the sniffles. Everyone around us was like getting tested every day, doing the fucking inoculation through the tests or whatever. And it's like, it's a... Uh, very interesting to me that for someone who was told they were going to die for not being vaccinated, it was quite all right being around thousands of fucking people on a daily basis. And the people who were vaccinated were the ones that were getting sick. And I just find it very peculiar. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I hadn't been sick for the past five years. And I think this apartment that I moved into got to me a, a few weeks ago. I was like bedridden, just no energy. And this apartment that I'm in is just, it's like, it's kind of in suffering. Cause like the sun is behind me all day. It kind of hits the whole apartment. And then, you know, outside is concrete 
I got to hit the road just to get to a spot in nature. And that was never my life. When I grew up, my parents, they had like a backyard. And, you know, when my, when they split up and I started living with my mom, you know, there was a yard there too. So I was always, you know, connected to nature. And I really think that that was responsible more than anything else for me not feeling good is, is I started to work on this podcast so much that I've, I've withdrawn from nature. And yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to be spending more time outside, especially now that it's cooling down. But yeah, that's where we engage with, you know, not just this natural energy force, but our ancestors, our spirits, you know, and, and these beings that you've clearly had a, a very strong connection to since visiting the Bledsoe's and yeah, man, it's fascinating. I, I really do believe that ultimately to be in the mindset to see, I, I believe to see beings of light is graciousness. There is no anointing of power. It's just knowledge. It's just right. knowing that, well, it's like manifesting. If you believe it, you can attain it. Well, if I believe it enough, then you're unlocking a piece of yourself that's opening up. It's like, look, when you're in a bad mood or a sad mood, how do your dog and your cat know to come sit by you and give you greet or give you comfort? Well, you're the energy you're emitting from the state of consciousness you're in, emotion, your animals can feel it, you know? They're the same way that they say cats can see beings of energy and they pay attention, I believe it as well. The same way that children are in the state of theta to the age of seven, and then from there on, you know, you're, you turn into yourself. It's like you're, you like wake up and you're in your body. But before that, you're playing in mud. You're talking to invisible people and everyone's telling you you're out of your fucking mind. But are you out of your mind? Or are you just more connected to source because you're in the state of theta? Now you can access theta. Theta comes from when you're first getting up in the morning and when you're just going to bed at night. What this means is it's like that feeling where you're feeling very tired and you're like, when am I going to fall asleep? If you can fight that and you can sit there and you can meditate through that and you can reprogram the subconscious mind and reprogram your mind through it's called meditating in theta and it's been proven time and time again with many other many other uh i think there's a lady called uh dolores cannon and she's proved it through a lot of a lot of different theories and a lot of different um tests on people i think it was over a hundred thousand neurological studies she did on people that you know just through deep sleep hypnosis she could have people revert and recall information just through hypnosis. And she would wake the people up and they, and they would watch. They, she'd have a video of a recording of them speaking and they'd go, I wasn't speaking. Said, well, you clearly were speaking and this is everything you said. And, you know, that's how people, I believe, they go through like regressions, past life regressions and all that stuff. But yeah, I know that uh, I'm a bit of a, a vomit cannon, a cannon with this information. But yeah, man, that's, I feel like that's what I wanted to add to that. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Thank you. You gave me a chance to to collect my thoughts and you added more to the the soup that is this conversation. I don't think it's vomit at all. You know, people come from all walks of life and they pick up a piece of this conversation that hits them right where they are in there now, you know, because we're all in our own individual now. That's why I end every show saying, you know, enjoy yourself wherever you are in the now or immerse yourself in the ever expanding now is what I've been saying lately because it sounds less hedonistic and, and more motivating, right? Because we want to immerse ourselves in the now, not just enjoy it. But when it comes to breathing and pushing yourself to maybe like an ecstatic experience, do you think that as an audience member 
at your show, I'm picking up on the fact that maybe you're in this charged meditative state. Like, do you, do you have memories of being on stage or, or putting on a performance where you're like, whoa, I was tapping into something there. Without a doubt, because there's times where you literally will, there'll be someone in the crowd and I've had someone cross their arms looking sour as fuck front row center just looking bitter like bro why even buy a ticket if you're gonna be front row center looking pissed as fuck me making eye contact with them and just pointing at them and just like putting my hand to them and they go from being like they kind of like break out of it and they're like instantly into it now can you say that's them feeling on the spot and they felt the need to do it i don't think so because they were chilling there the whole time do I believe that with me engaging and transferring my intention, emotion into them or transferring my attention into them made them fucking feel that? Yeah, because I believe when people get quote unquote starstruck, that's just transference of energy. You know, if you know enough about something, you can know that, look, you don't know everything. And when you do get to meet someone who does know something a little bit more, you listen, right? Even when you're at a show, you, you sit and you listen. Even when you're talking to someone who's very wise, you sit and you listen. It's like, I believe people have the ability to observe and, and pick up on other people's emotion, just like I do believe that I can transfer emotion by just looking at someone. Right on. Well, we're coming up on two hours, Tom, and I, I really love talking to you, man. It's really great to get to know you, and I'm, I'm proud to call you a friend now. But Absolutely. My audience would, might, might be a little upset if I don't ask you a question like this. So what is maybe the strangest interaction that you've had with someone in the music industry. Like, have you come across someone? Cause recently we just had a show yesterday where we talked to a guy who worked in like an indie film, not even like really a guy like who's involved with much, but he heard a story of a guy who got invited to a meeting where he was forced to put an animal mask on. And then when he took the mask off, someone was holding a gun to his head and then he was able to work on this film and, and he was a director, right? So not my friend, but friend of a friend. So, mm. you know, that being said, we have heard weird stories like that on the show. Have you uh, had any strange interactions like that? Anybody who might like actually embody the darkness more than just as an art, art form or maybe pulls that into practice in their own life somehow? I mean, what what's the you know extent what I think, of that? Man? I... I really do believe that a lot of these people that are doing this music shit, whether they're in the macabre, which is like, I, there's some black metal bands that know of the darkness and they know about black magic and white magic, black magic being the sacrifice of something to gain white magic, being the service to others to gain. Um, there's people that know of that, I believe, but I wholeheartedly in my fucking soul believe that it's the people who are dictating the bands, the managements, the, uh, the management companies. It's kind of like uh, there's a band. There's a uh, one of the biggest industries or the biggest label in my industry. Do you know what they're called? They're called Sumerian Records, and they're <laughs> a giant pyramid. They're a giant pyramid, is their thing. And it's you. Uh, they're the biggest thing out there. You know, they're all their bands do good. This, that, and the other thing. Anybody who fucks with them do good. But you can't help but wonder. There's always some type of weird imagery and a weird stuff that is pushed through every band and does the band know everything that they're doing i don't believe so because i believe that a lot of bands do believe that they just want to put their music out there and industries or industries like metal and companies like 
Sumerian, they do things, they're called 360 deals. Have you ever heard of that? No. A 360 deal is no matter what you do, our hand is in it. Whether it's the weight, your, the, what you weigh, what you wear, how much money you make from your clothes, how much money you make from your record, what your record's about, who's in your band, everything. Now, when an industry like metal in itself is a niche group, already doesn't have a lot of management companies, but a management company who wants to have that much dictation over everything. And again, some weird imagery comes from a lot of stuff and from that shit. Could be anything, man. Could be me being conspiracy theorist. Could be me being, well, I do have an idea of imagery and dark imagery. And a lot of it is portrayed through a lot of these bands. And I do believe it is the people above them that are telling them what to do. Now, there's only certain, certain companies, like the only one I can really say is Sumerian Records. You know, again, because that's the most obvious smack in the face shit you can get. It's Egyptian, you know, reference. Uh, they have absolute control of every artist. Um, and they push some weird imagery through their music. So, yes, I do believe there is darkness in the industry, but it is at a, a higher level. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that insight. I know it's probably not comfortable uh, necessarily to talk about but you're very brave and and courageous uh, you've shown that throughout this conversation so yeah, i, I did what it is baby i, I felt like it would roll right off so well and also you know like there's a certain like weakness that's displayed by those record companies because i i feel like that's exactly what it is there's like some guy who spent his whole life becoming some dark magician but he can't play an instrument for shit so now he needs to go and you know manipulate people with his influence and his money and and obviously musicians just wanting to get out there they'll take the opportunity because there's the promise of fame fortune and all the things that come along with being a rock star man and i, I think that's yeah, that's like that whole Faustian bargain that Robert Johnson allegedly made at the crossroads, right? And, you know, those are the kind of stories that we, we've heard here on the show. And, and yeah, man, like I said earlier, it's a really powerful position to be in to have really what seems like darkness around you and shine so brightly. So thank you, Tom, for, for doing that, not just for yourself, but for everyone. I mean, everyone listening whether they listen to your style of music or not, they're being impacted by what you're doing in, in some small way. And I think even the people who, who do listen to metal, like, bro, if you're not listening to Chelsea Grin, if you haven't checked out Darko, check it out. Because it goes right in line with this podcast and everything we talk about here. So, wow. Any final thoughts for being on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, Tom? This is, uh, I think, your second time being on a podcast. You killed it. Great job. I mean, as far as interviews, you're natural. But uh, any final thoughts? The only final thoughts that I have is, is remind yourself. If you truly, you truly want to move forward in any mindset, any positive mindset, whether it is lifting weights, UFC, whatever the, whatever, whatever the fuck it is you want to be, you have to remember with any information you are going to be given to take it from a state of neutrality and not be so reactive because in the world we live in today, we are in a place where if you're not reacting, it's, it's powerful because when you can observe and truly uh, look at things for what they are instead of for what people paint them to be, you can control everything else in your life. And I do believe that. And I believe, you know, 
through Amizabra, I've been at two mass shootings, the one that happened in Vegas and the one that just happened in Philly. I believe that the darkness surrounds us all. I believe the darkness is with us all, but it is it is you to be the light and everywhere that you go, it is you to be that in the darkness. So with that being said, uh, just be, be the best you can. And remember, we're all moving forward every day and we're all capable of great, great things. Wow. Well said, brother. Thank you so much. Hope you didn't hear that traffic back there. I got to edit that out. Thank you so much, folks. And thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Now. And that is our episode with the great Tom Barber. Wow. Big shout out for Ryan Bledsoe for making this possible and introducing me to Mr. Barber, Mr. Tom Barber, vocalist for Chelsea Grin, creator of Darko US. Wow. He was also in a band called Lorna Shore. It wasn't just pulling his leg when I told him I checked out his music. It is not my style. I don't typically listen to metal, but wow, Darko US really impressed me and it's inspiring stuff if you're having a bad day you need some motivation i definitely recommend turning that on and letting it fire you up so the links to all of their music will be in the description very interesting episode went down a few different rabbit holes a few that i wasn't prepared to go down health that's a big big interest of mine That was one of the biggest conspiracy theories that pulled me into this whole thing. Because my life was really not going in the direction that I wanted it to. Until I started taking deep, deep consideration for my health, my diet, and my environment. And it's not perfect. I'm not over here, you know, perfect specimen of health yet. But that is one of my goals, is to strive to be as healthy as can be. I also want to address the fact that we're now doing sponsor reads. These are not dynamic ads. I have not broken my promise to you. I promise there will be no ads, no advertisers. You're not going to hear McDonald's or Pet Boys or, you know, some health clinic, God forbid. None of those senseless, unattached ads. We are going to do only sponsor-read, host-read advertisements on this show, if we do any at all. And I am supported by my listeners, but also the sponsors, you know? And until we get to a point where our listenership is big enough to where we have enough supporters to support the show without the need for sponsors... We're going to be reading uh, sponsor red ads, or I'm sorry, host red sponsorship ads. And that's it. That's all I'm going to say about it. If you don't like it, listen to the show on Patreon. Listen to it on Rockfin. When you sign up on Patreon, you get a custom RSS feed, and it has every episode of the podcast, and you get them all early. What? Yep, you get them early. So this episode has been out on the Patreon for at least two or three days before it got released onto the public RSS feed. And it's been hanging around on Rockfin uh, for about a week and a half now. So if you're a supporter of this show, you get a lot of really cool stuff. You get benefits. You also get a sponsor-free version of the show. So you don't have to hear me read a sponsor ad. 
I hope that we can start to do them in the outros instead of in the middle of the conversation, but that's what this particular sponsor wanted. So anyways, that's all I'll say about that. If you don't like it, well, too bad. You should be supporting the show because this isn't, you know, for free. I put money into hosting this show. I put money into producing it. I put money into editing it and all that good stuff, all the programs and music and all the things that I use to make this show what it is. There needs to be, you know, income just like there is output. So I'm outputting all this money and I need to compensate that. So sign up on Patreon, help me out, and you won't have to hear any of this. As for this episode... Big shout out to Tom Barber. Big shout out to Ryan Bledsoe. Make sure you support on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. Chelsea Grin, Darko, US, both capital letters, US. And uh, yeah, you know, get a vinyl, get a CD, get, get some physical copies of the music if they have that. That's the best way to listen to music. As for me, I'm going to be rocking in the ever-expanding now. I'll see you guys on the flip side. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Normally we close out the show with a rap song from Luca Lizna, but today our very special guest Tom Barber has allowed us to play one of his songs from his new musical project, his new band Darko US. So enjoy this song titled Insects by Darko U.S. Ah. 